going on when we play with fans? We are back four weeks in the books. As Shashot loves to say, four weeks is about the best sample size that you're going to get early in the season to make informed decisions. You guys had a matchup of the week playing two 3-0 teams. We can talk a little bit more about it. How are you guys feeling? Shashot, I'll start with you because you were absent last episode. How are you feeling heading into, I guess, what is now week five? Dude, not that great. <laughs> not that great. Um, I have... Uh... Two losses in one league, one loss in one league, and one loss in one league. I am not undefeated in any leagues. So um, that's, you know, interesting, interesting start to the season. Chovit, Mr. Undefeated in our league, how does it feel? You know, it feels good, despite not having the, you know, the top points scored uh, and having a lot of points not scored against me. So I've been a benefactor of that. So I'm going to take it, but I'm looking at my team. I'm a little bit worried, but hopefully some, you know, first quarter adjustments uh, changes things up. Yeah. I mean, four week sample size, again, between what the rosters look like now and probably the end of the season, it's going to be so different injuries, obviously the number one thing. So uh, nobody's out of it. Even if you're own four, uh, I don't think you're out of it because there's still a lot, lot of football left to play. Um, Without further ado, I know we don't want to waste any time. Let's kick it off, guys. Thursday night football, first game on the board. Feels like it happened ages ago. Lions at the Packers. Lions win this game 34 to 20. Cover the two and a half point spread over 45 caches. Um, I'll start us off because this was one of my favorite Thursday night football games I've had in recent memory, simply because I was able to pick up David Montgomery and you guys convinced me that he was a better start over Rashad White and whoever the Ramondre Stevenson. And so I played him and he had an insane game. He is to me, a RB1 moving forward. I think he's an RB1 for the rest of the year because that's how they use him. That's literally what Dan Campbell is using him as, as an RB1. 33 rushing down work versus only eight for Jameer Gibbs. 71% of overall snaps. And here's the caveat. Gibbs got 14 snaps for uh, during passing down situations. Monty got 17. So Monty outsnapped him in passing downs as well. Obviously, goal line work basically is all going to Monty. He's missed a game on the year and he is RB9. So to me, moving forward, the way they use him, you can't ignore Montgomery. He is, to me, an RB1 because of volume and just the way their offense works. Yeah, um, just to touch on the Montgomery thing. Dude, he's always been an RB1, man. He had to play with Justin Fields for a little bit, kind of hampered up his stuff, but there's no other running back in the league that is really, truly built like Montgomery. He's got thighs as big as his freaking torso, and he's an every-down player, and he blocks better than almost everybody else that plays football so, uh, from the running back position. That's it's a coach's dream, right? So I'm happy to see him finally get unleashed like he should be used. Um, on that note, uh, on the other side of the field, I just want to highlight Romeo Dobbs. He's doing a great job. I think I know last year I was super high on him. I wanted him on all my teams, and I had him on all my teams. Um, but the growing pains is always there. I, I seem to be always that guy that just jumps on a guy one season too early. I mean, is that is that a bad thing? Probably not, but um, they need to do a better job to start playing better sooner because the potential is there. Clearly, I'm seeing it, but um, they just need to do a better job. And Romeo Dobbs is doing just that. Now he's uh, getting, you know, serious elite level target share. Uh, thir- 12 targets a week prior, 13 this game with Watson back. I'm sure that's going to go down a little bit, but that just means the top of the field is going to be taken. Uh, Watson is going to take at least a safety almost every play if they, if he runs a go route. That just opens up more room for this, you know, pretty sure-handed guy. Had some issues with drops last year. Um, but with 
this type of um, opening that he's going to see with Watson take, uh, you know, des- taking the defense as much deservedly. So um, he should get more open. He's getting more comfortable. Um, things will just get better for the Packers right now. It's a little bit of eh, is love really the guy he's doing pretty good. You know, all, with all things considered, things are looking good there. And I think the receivers are just going to get better. Yeah. So uh, for, for me in this game, I was very invested in Luke Musgrave. I started him this week and, and he went down with a concussion that one play and he was out for the rest of the game. So I was monitoring him. I was kind of seeing if, you know, what's going to happen. Looks like he's practicing on Tuesday, which kind of blows my mind. Like concussions, you think the guys are not going to practice like throughout the week, right? The fact that he's practicing makes me kind of think that the whole Chandler Jones situation is like messing with the NFL a little bit. That's the reason why they're taking the precautions they need. Um, so I think that Luke Musgrave going forward, he's going going to be able to be startable. Um, definitely t- take a look at the injury designation. Uh, another thing I want to talk about is uh, the flip side of Montgomery, which is Jameer Gibbs. I have Jameer Gibbs in one of my leagues. And honestly, like I can't bench him. Like I, I have to continue starting in, in hopes that there's maybe a game where he's going to get more passing downs. I'm going to continue uh, starting him. Um and maybe next week tells me something else, but it's a very weird situation with Gibbs owners. I feel like. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I would be in the same boat. Luckily I traded Gibbs away. So it's no longer my headache to deal with, but if I'm you and I'm a Gibbs owner, I have to start him because he's again, one of those guys where all it takes is one play he hits a home run. And you're like, man, all the weeks that I, you know, loathed starting him and Montgomery just kept out working him the one week you bench him and he goes off. So the fact that he hasn't peaked and he hasn't even reached close to peaking means that the chances of you benching him mean that there's chances you're benching him in weeks. He's going to go off because he hasn't done that yet. So um, I agree. I would continue to start him. Obviously most people that drafted Gibbs are going to be remiss to find a better option on their team, unless they were just waiver wire Kings and got, you know, the Kyron Williamses and all those guys. So other than that, I think you absolutely have to deploy Gibbs. Um, First game on the board, early game for four weeks straight. I think we get international games. So 9.30 a.m. kickoff in the East Coast, which is fantastic. Earlier football, Falcons at the Jaguars, the Toy Story game. 7-23, to Jaguars win this game in London. Cover the three-and-a-half point spread, under 42-and-a-half caches. Shove it. This is a perfect segue for you. London and London. Talk to me. Yeah, London and London. I think that this London connection with uh, Ritter could end up being something in fantasy, like something that's relevant, something that you can start on a week, uh, a weekly basis, especially next week, like with DK out, I think London is a great placeholder for him. He saw seven targets. They're playing against uh, the Texans next, and Texans are known, you know, they're they're putting up points. They three touchdowns, two touchdowns uh, by Stroud on a weekly basis. Uh, Damian Pierce is putting up touchdowns as well, uh, getting into the red zone. So I think that Drake London now is not a terrible play in fantasy. Shisho. If you want to counter that, you can. Otherwise, just move on to your point because we've yeah, talked about uh, this. I, I, I mean, we're just going to have to replay this next week and Shobit's going to have to give me his interpretation of why he said the things that he said. But that's okay. I, I get it. Some players do good. Some players do bad. And London happened to have a good day. But, I mean, if you're the number one option and you're seeing seven targets, like there's a really good chance, you know, seven times he catches the ball are not going to be touchdowns. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. As long as Ritter's there, there's better options out there. Yeah, sure. What was your biggest takeaway from this game? Uh, I mean, we're, we're just seeing more and more of the best player in football. That's right, Patrick Mahomes. B. John Robinson literally deserves the ball in his hands every single play. But, you know, this is the thing. This is why I didn't draft uh, Jameer Gibbs. Like, when these young players are here, they're just not smart enough to play in big people league. There's a reason Gibbs isn't getting all the balls. There's a reason Robinson isn't getting all the balls. We just have to be patient. And I typically don't like drafting those kind of players because I don't have patience with my first pick, my second pick, and my third pick. Patience is for the eighth pick, right? So 
there's always a hesitation. So, you know, I'm I'm seeing this uptick in usage with Bijan Robinson. So I'm finally getting excited about this. Um, you know, only 35 yards after contact, uh, which is a good sign because he doesn't have to struggle for every point uh, with a total of 105 yards. Um, and then he had five catches for 32 yards. So these are all good signs leaning towards they're using him correctly. Um, five more touches. And we're talking maybe 25 points if one of those five touches includes a touchdown. Because right now there is a ceiling. And I hate to say that, you know, he could break one free, but I, I'm not going to bank my whole week on could break one free. I'm seeing, I want to see volume. I want to see usage and I want to see uh, yards. And um, right now we're seeing that, but I'm seeing a ceiling of like 18 to 20 points where people getting drafted him in around the same time are, or in the first round there, some people don't have ceilings, right? So um, as little Wayne would say, but um, I like where things are going. Um, if your team can handle this type of usage as your, with your first player, and um, hopefully you got like a Devonta Adams or somebody as your second player, kind of like keeping up the slack. Um, but if you're trying to be a lethal total powerhouse in your league, you're not gonna be able to afford 18 points, 20 points from your number one player, unless you have a really good team, but things are looking good. And I hope to see more of B. John Robinson. Yeah, I think the problem is he's getting all the workload. He's productive. He's really good. It's just about touchdowns because the Falcons can't get there. You, when your passing right. attack can't get there. Yeah, I mean, piggybacking on Chauvet, right? Seven targets for Drake London. He's the number one option there. Kyle Pitts is literally not anywhere no. to be seen. And they lost by 16 points. So, it, I mean, you were losing the whole game. Like, I, I get that you want to establish the run. I get that, you know, the run creates the passing for this offense, but you were losing the whole game. So if there was a game where you had to throw the football a little bit more, it's probably this one. And right. your best target still saw seven targets. Like your best receiver still saw seven targets. So that's my reservation. Um, And piggybacking on the Kyle, Kyle Pitts thing. I mean, it's a tight end desolation in fantasy football this year. John Smith played 55% of snaps, six targets, six catches, 95 yards. Week one, this man had zero points and he's the tight end 10 on the season. So in a 10 man league, John Smith, top 10, baby. That's how crazy the tight end position is. You could drop Pitts right now. I have more comfort starting John Smith over Kyle Pitts. And I mean, that is just pure, pure insanity. The game of the week, guys, Dolphins and Bills. What is Mike McDaniel going to do against Sean McDermott and this defense? This was a prove-it game for the Dolphins, and I think the Bills really, really put their stamp on this. 48-20, to 20, they absolutely ass-kicked the Dolphins at home. Three-point spread, they covered that, over 52-and-a-half caches. Chauvet, first on the board, talk to me. What was your biggest takeaway here? Yeah, my biggest takeaway is Waddle is under underperforming, man. He's not doing what you drafted him for probably in the third round. And uh, I think the better days are coming. I think the way that Tua is playing right now, he's like just basically it's quick releases, quick passes to Hill, uh, Mostert, or A-Chain, you know, the, and they have really good running backs. But I think that as the defenses start adjusting to Hill, Waddle will get his. So I think that Waddle right now is a buy low target. I'm even considering trading Waddle for Olave. Um, I feel like Waddle in that offense might actually perform better than Olave in the long run. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Waddle can hit home runs. Olave has proven year after year. He's a good player, but he's more of a possession receiver. We're talking like Olave's best case scenario is Justin Jefferson. Waddle's best case scenario is Tyreek Hill, right? Like they're different types of players that do different things. Um, but I like, I like, um, they, they both work. That's a solid trade. It just depends on which offense you trust more. And I would trust the Dolphins office, offense more than the Saints offense. Um, but, you know, the only other thing I want to add in as far as this game goes is, yeah, I mean, Bills are, you know, the big daddy of the division. They've been the big daddy of the division. This is what they do. They come out, they just whoop ass for a couple of months. And then in the playoffs or close to the playoffs, uh, Josh Allen just 
can't cut it. And then we just hope for the same thing to change year after year. So I'm hoping for a different uh, scenario this week, uh, or I mean, uh, this year, um, you know, he's on the cover of Madden getting all the hype um, for MVP candidate, like almost every year. So hopefully there's a different script uh, towards the end of the year, but I'm not surprised by any of this. Bill's defense is fantastic. Um, Dolphins part, I am surprised about that. I mean, they did, you know, this is not what I expected to see, but this just, emphasizes more that the bills are the team to beat in that division. And maybe, you know, more than that. Um, but I'm going to hold my horses before I crown them because we do this every single year. It's the same story all the time. Um, and then just side note, Stefan Diggs is still here playing football, ladies and gentlemen, let's not forget that getting disrespected drafted like 11th, 12th, you know, there's, you know, I drafted him in third overall last year. Cause I got faith in this guy. I think he's one of the best um, didn't get the opportunity because Tyree kill fell this year, but um Again, you know, the Bills are a powerhouse. I just hope they, you know, find a way to overcome their hump later on. Yeah, I think the biggest surprise for me was I still expected the Dolphins to be able to throw the football. Jordan Poyer was out. Kyrie Elam was inactive, and they lost Tredavious White mid-game. So they were playing with one of the most battered and bruised secondaries of anybody else in football, and they held Miami to 20 points. And so I, I think the biggest takeaway for me here is Miami's the real deal. Don't get me wrong. Their offense is going to click. McDaniel's a genius, so obviously they're going to be fine. But that, that defense is terrifying. I mean, if they're going to have to be in boat races with every single football team, the minute a defense comes along that can play like the Bills, Miami's got no shot because their defense can't stop anybody right now. So I think that's the biggest takeaway for me right now. Uh, nothing to me is standing in the way of Buffalo right now because everybody in the AFC that we thought were major powerhouses are kind of scuffling, right? Like uh, the Chiefs, their offense looked, and they almost lost to Josh, Josh uh, Zach Wilson, sorry. And then obviously Burrow and the Bengals look like they're a disaster. So all of a sudden this vaunted AFC, if nobody else can claim that, the Bills have a path. So hopefully, like you said, they don't have another choke job this year. Bears and Broncos next game on the board, man, a lot of fantasy implications in a game where pregame, you were probably like, this is one of the most disgusting matchups on the board. Bears give this one away at home. 31, 28 Broncos win this three point cover was a push over 47 caches. Shisho Broncos talk to me about a player that you think could be a hidden gem. Um, yeah, so it's not a very, this is one of those things where, you know, it's not like, um, a chain. It's not like he's out there and everybody's going to put a waiver wire. A lot of people won't put a waiver wire and for, and for the right reasons, right? He's in a really, really good position. If you think about this, this could, this, like we're talking league winners. This is probably the biggest hidden league winner available to date, to date, right? Because A chain, people knew about him. A couple of other players have been picked up. Not many people know about this guy and it's, it's understandably, right? But think about it like this, okay? We're talking about the people in front of him uh, Williams, right? Serious, serious knee injury. Everybody in the world is shocked that he was even playing week one. He shouldn't have been playing, right? Because he's compensating with other parts of his body and now his hip is hurt. He should have never been out there. Did you try again? No, Siri. Hold on. Um, he's talking so, about Javante Williams. He should try yeah. again. Correct. Damn. Um, so, you know, that should have never happened, right? So now they're understanding that. And if, if they value him to the extent they do, I know he's a running back that really don't value him much, but they still should, you know, treat him like an elite running back that he was before he got hurt. So I don't suspect them just throwing him out there, especially if they're losing um, in the ne next few weeks. Um, I don't, there's no need. There's no need to throw Williams out there because there's players now that they're, they're seeing potential from like Julio McLaughlin, who was, by the way, um, Peyton's one of his number, like must have players in the draft. Sean Payton, he does this every year. And there's always players that he just like reaches for. He like goes out of his way to make sure certain players he has on this team. This is one of them. He played really well in preseason. He's going to touch the ball. He's going to get his, he's gonna, at least going to get an attempt. And that's the part 
where I'm all I'm all ears, right? I'm all ears because Sean Payton's history plus his usage, the, the you know, the super efficiency in the amount of touches he got, albeit it was against the Bears, things are pointing in a really, really generously low-key positive direction right so those are the players you have to it's, it's easy you, you may not even need to put a waiver wire in, in some leagues and you'll still be able to get them right now in sleeper sleeper just gives it away because they do this little trend thing i fucking hate that shit because it gives even the dumbest people ideas on who to pick up but um you know he's up there number one already but if you look at you know the points possible points to have had for next week he's like 14th on that list with like 4.7. So like in most leagues, you'll see that picture. So he'll be available in some Yahoo leagues and ESPN leagues. So take that opportunity, keep him. You can drop him again in two weeks if things aren't how we thought it would be. But Samaj Piran's not the guy. We've seen him. That he would have been used. He would have been used in goal line if we really thought he was the next up. But clearly, Sean Payton picked him. He loves sticking with his guys. So he went out of his way to get him, gave him the opportunities in a close game while knowing Piran was the next man up. So all signs, all of this points towards this is a really, really good idea to just hold on to. And if it doesn't work out, drop them. Yeah. All that to say it is the bear. It is the Denver Broncos offense as well. So take everything with a grain of salt. Um, I think the biggest thing that's my takeaway from your, the point there is exactly that Sean Payton inherited one of the worst teams in existence. And this is one of the few guys that is his guy. So I think if he has an opportunity to play his guy over last regime's guy, which again, how did that end? Like was a fucking just destruction. I think he gladly will play his guy. So I think you're spot on in that he deserves much more of a hierarchy in terms of who you're picking up than Samaj P. Ryan, uh, even though P. Ryan's uh, a serviceable third down back. Shishot, talk, or, I'm sorry, Shobit, talk to me about the Bears and their running back situation. Yeah, uh, keeping it with the running backs, man, Khalil Herbert versus Roshan Johnson. I had both of those guys on my team. I let go of Khalil Herbert and he just went off this weekend. 18 carries, 103 yards. Uh, 19 yards touchdown. So he had 56 snaps, snaps compared to 16 snaps for Roshan Johnson. I still think that there's a world where Roshan Johnson takes that, uh, you know, RB1 responsibility in the Bears land. But with this team, uh, where where it's kind of going, it's just like you you may set a waiver claim for Clear Herbert, but just know that your expectations are going to be limited just because it's the Bears offense. So I'm still holding on to Roshan Johnson because I think patience is needed there. Khalil Herbert, yeah, he had a great game, but I don't expect that to be something that is going to be normal and uh, repeating. Yeah, the Bears offense sucks. So yes, this is strictly matchup based. I picked him up on Sunday morning when you dropped him because I was like, they're playing the Broncos. And there was a world where I could have thrown him in, but I didn't. And he had a great day. So the surprisingly, the Bears schedule does soften up a little bit. So I think there are situational spots where you can start Herbert until they prove that Roshan Johnson is going to get like first down, second down work in the beginning of the game or when they're losing. If he's not going to get that right now, then he's not worth the start. But that does make Herbert intriguing in matchups where the defense sucks. And there are a couple of those similar to where you would probably start fields. You'd probably look to start Khalil Herbert in a, uh, um, you know, a streaming option on a weekly basis. For me, it's super quick. Broncos defense is historically bad. Justin Fields had, you know, you could argue top five quarterback performances this year. And we're talking about Justin Fields. And that's all you need to know about the Denver Broncos defense. They are so atrocious that I would consider starting Zach Wilson next week. That's how bad the Denver Broncos defense is. All of a sudden, if you have Garrett Wilson, again, the Jets uh, schedule opens up a little bit and they play the Broncos next week. Garrett Wilson saw 14 targets against the Chiefs. You don't think he's going to get open against this Denver Broncos secondary that Justin Fields threw over 300 yards and four passing touchdowns against? Absolutely. So right now for me, until the Broncos make any sort of adjustments, you are starting every single player against this Denver defense. 
the Cleveland Browns and Dorian Thompson Robinson hosted the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens won this one handedly 28 to three, covered the one and a half point spread under 38 and a half cashes. Um, I think I'll start us off. The Ravens obviously are more of a rushing attack than a passing attack. This new offense, we were supposed to be under the impression that Lamar Jackson is going to throw the football a little bit more. They're going to open up the passing game. So far, that has not been the case. It has still been Lamar rushing the football and periodically making timely passes. Um, so I still have yet to see what the passing offense can do. Uh, Andrews came back. Andrews had a nice day, but still efficient. Five catches, two touchdowns. Not really a sustainable number, right? We I, The reason I bring up their passing offense is I have Zay Flowers, and he's been a target fiend. But when the passing game doesn't work, Lamar Jackson is always going to be Lamar Jackson, and he's going to resort to running the football because he's a freak show when he does that. So temper your expectations. No OBJ, no, uh, no Bateman, and Zay Flowers still had a pedestrian day. Cleveland Browns defense is good, don't get me wrong, uh, so it is a tough matchup. But I reserve my reservations until we actually see what this offense was supposed to be because four weeks in, to me, it looks more like still Lamar Jackson running the football more than them actually utilizing the passing game. Uh, Shosho, what did you see in this game? Yeah, I agree with all of those uh, points, but I see it in a different way. Um, the Ravens have been without two of their five starting lineback or linemen, uh, offensive linemen. Um, they've been without two of their secondary members. They've been without two of their uh, linebackers. So, and then they've been without none of their running backs. So whatever plan they came into this season with, I'm pretty sure they were going to continue try that out, but they had to resort to what was working previously because they don't have any players. They don't. Have, they can't run that offense with Andrews and Flowers, who you know is a tiny guy. It's like it's like a uh, what's his name? Not Mobile Moore, but the other Moore from uh, the Cardinals. Rondell. Rondell. Uh, Rondell Moore, right? So like you can't expect that to be your only source. A little tiny guy, like zigzag type of player. You need like a big presence, like Bateman, and you need OBJ with like you know more downfield stuff. Albeit, you know, uh, you got that in Flowers, but he's obviously doesn't have the size to be like a true big, big, like a unit type of a threat going downfield. He's a great player, but he needs some other help in order to truly be like a fantasy relevant player moving forward to score some touchdowns and all that good stuff. So all that, all that being said, it really limits the whole offense as a whole. Um, it doesn't really hurt Lamar because of his running ability. Um, so for, from that perspective, I think I'm happy with that. But everybody around me is super disappointed except for um, the tight end owners, Andrew's owners. They're pretty happy. They got a, a true tight end two back. All those talks about Hawkinson taking the next step, getting paid that high. Um, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to see uh, the same old, same old shit with Laporta possibly becoming two. I'm not going to discount that just yet. I see enough stuff from him to be like, hmm. This could be something. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like whenever you get an offensive coordinator, you you obviously they want to do what they want to do, but what wins games is Lamar doing Lamar stuff. And so they're going to stick with that and obviously try to implement more passing things until they want, uh, you know, but they'll do it, you know, slowly when they feel comfortable with it. Um, but in terms of, you know, the running back situation, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, Melvin Gordon, I don't think those guys are going are should be startable in any leagues. They're they're not the guys that you want to go with. Um, there's another guy, uh, Keaton Mitchell. He's going to be coming back from IR uh, this week, so I think he's a running back that you need to go out and and maybe put a waiver claim or see if you can get him for free agency. He might be a guy that gets this running game going. Uh, what they have right now with Hill, Edwards, and Gordon just ain't it. 
Yeah, it's tough. I mean, undrafted running back, you really never know what you're going to get. But like you said, they're so decimated that when you have names of guys that you already know what you're going to get, and then you see a new toy that you don't know what you're going to get, the unexpectedness is what you're buying into, right? Could he be good? Sure. He's probably better than Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, and Melvin Gordon, because those guys are basically maybe outside of Hill, all has-beens. Uh, you know, fast. no, no disrespect to them, but yeah, Keaton Mitchell is fast. So, uh, I definitely think there's a world there, um, to, to kind of, uh, wrap this entire game up. My fear is that we're, we're talking about the bills and how they get stagnant because there's a certain, you know, clip to which they can reach and, and Allen sets them back. I feel the same way about this Ravens team. And I think that's why they changed to more of a passing offense because Lamar rushing can win you regular season games. He can put up a thousand yards, but in the playoffs when they're playing single coverage and they bring seven people blitzing Lamar couldn't do anything. So I think that's why they brought in the passing attack. So that's why I was hopeful that we would see some integration, but yeah, with offensive linemen being hurt and stuff, it, it's kind of like, impossible. what are you going to do? So it's impossible. Uh, we still, we shall see if they actually make that switch or not. One of the biggest upsets on the board, the Tennessee Titans hosted the Cincinnati Bengals and win this game 27 to three, cover the two and a half point dog spread under 41 and a half caches. Shashot, Derrick Henry, resurgence. What is this? Yep, Derrick Henry said, psych! You guys thought, no, I'm playing. But seriously, like, I'm sorry, Derrick Henry. I apologize. That's on me. I apologize to CMC and I apologize to Derrick Henry. I what was I thinking? I wasn't thinking. You know what? You know, even Randy Moss has some dropped passes, so I should be allowed to have some bad takes. Um, but I'll explain my takes later. Um, but, you know, it's just – I'm sorry. I, I, that's all I got to say. 22 rushes, you know, for 122 yards and a touchdown. And then even it was like, hey, you watching this, bro? I can also throw the ball. Don't discount me. So we saw a little bit of that classic uh, Derrick Henry jump pass. But, you know, love you, Derrick Henry, but I'm not expecting you to go off like this every week. That was a great game, but – we see, we see what we see. And I've seen four games where three of those games, we don't see enough usage. We don't see enough uh, time on the field. You know, it's fine. I'll take this. There will be a couple more games like this, but I'm still going to be happy end of the year that I drafted somebody else over you. Man, dude, not picking up CMC and going chase number two has been the biggest downfall of this other league that I'm in. I wish I'd gone CMC, but hey, it's neither there here now. Uh, but another guy that is... um was injured t higgins rib injury missed uh missed i think half of the missed the second half of the game uh when higgins was out tyler boyd was in there 31.3 percent target share so monitor his injury looks like he's gonna be out a couple of weeks and pick up tyler boyd if you need to. no no he's playing higgins i'm pretty sure playing. higgins is gonna play i'm pretty sure he's gonna play through this injury so what is happening right now is he has a broken rib right and it's one of the lower ribs it's not like a higher rib it's for, this is what i've heard so far from stefania bell who's a uh, physical therapist uh, that works for espn so what i heard today so far latest news on this is the it's like a lower broken rib i think it's like 11 or 12 um so it's not as serious if, as higher ribs because if it's you break a higher rib you could puncture through the heart you can puncture the lungs if it's a lower rib, lesser chance also he's having trouble breathing wh while he's laying down but that also does not take away from the fact that you can't play everybody plays through this when you have a cracked rib listen it sounds crazy but from a medical perspective it's not that crazy when you have a cracked rib whenever you take a breath that those muscles around that area or that inflammation inflammation in that area just keeps getting irritated all the time so it hurts but this isn't we're not basketball players or baseball players this is football where big men come to play with big balls right so a little bit of pain is nothing if these players want to play they'll play also from a medical perspective he's okay to play if it's a cracked rib he's not gonna die from it if it's a broken rib that's called a flail chest 
that could kill you. So from what I've heard so far, it seems like it's a cracked rib. And if it's all about pain tolerance in that, in that sense, he's having some pain while he's laying down and breathing. But apparently when he's like walking around, uh, you know, he's able to do all the things that he can do in the football field. It's, it's a matter of pain tolerance. So it's, it's something to monitor. I wouldn't count off that he's not playing. He may not play. That's fine. But I'm just saying, do not count him out because of this injury. There is a really good chance he could still play. That is crazy. And that's crazy also because, yeah. this, I mean, the fact that he has trouble breathing, that's one thing. Kudos to him. Deshaun Watson could never, by the way. Did you know Deshaun Watson was cleared to play the game and decided not to play and they put Donovan Peoples-Jones in? Like, bro. Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Like, Dorian Thompson. Yeah, sorry. I don't know what I said. What did I say? Donovan Peoples-Jones. Oh, Donovan. <laughs> the three syllables. Wow. Yeah, three words put, are hard. Three words, yeah. Dorian, they put Dorian Thompson in and um it's crazy he could never he can and this guy has a rib injury a broken rib and he's still playing through it Dude, wild quarterbacks Dude, do it all the time by the way besides so so a crack rib can't become a broken rib if that same spot just gets hit in football it can it can so you're a receiver running slant patterns and just getting decked and so so but here i don't even care uh, the, to put a bow on this, I don't care. I'm not starting Tiggins right now because the offense sucks. Yeah. So are you going to put a guy on there that's got two goose eggs, a quarterback that can't like plant on a foot to throw the football? He's already been bad with him being healthy and Burrow being hurt, and now Burrow's still hurt and he's hurt? No, I'm not going to start T. Higgins. I'm sorry, no. I'm not picking up Tyler Boyd. Any other year, I would pick up Tyler Boyd because he averages no. over 10 points Th in those, weeks those days Higgins are gone. is out. Those <laughs> days are gone. They're just memories. Right now, Joe Burrow is a shell of himself, so I can't justify starting Higgins, even if he plays through this injury. Kudos to you, Higgins, but it's worse no. for you because your offense cannot get anything going despite you being on the field or not. So for me, guys, this is a serious question. Joe Burrow... Hasn't even put up like 10 fantasy points in a week this no. year. Seven are defenses. You, seven are, defenses have more points than Joe Burrow. Are you at this point benching Joe Burrow? Yeah. Yeah. I, I should have benched him last week. I, I had Anthony Richardson, bro. I started. I The only reason I didn't start him was because I was playing against Chauvin. I'm like, let me just start Burrow one more time. Never again. <laughs> Never again. Fair, man. That's fair. But yeah, I, I think there's a world where right now Joe Burrow is on your bench. I You cannot drop Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow has the upside of a top three, top four, top five quarterback. And you would hope somewhere he regains it, even if it's for like three weeks, could be in the playoffs and you could win. So I wouldn't drop him, Wild. but you certainly cannot be starting Joe Burrow, which again, four weeks into the season, who the hell thought we would be saying that? Dude, yeah. this is this has to be the craziest storyline so far. Dude, another Seahawks next week, by the way. So, yeah, I mean, Seahawks look, defense looked pretty good last week. I Dude. This, good this next week. So, maybe Burrow. I don't know. Something to think about. More on the Seahawks when we talk about them on Monday night. But Anthony Richardson, you mentioned it, coming back from a concussion. Do you start him? Do you not? Uh, other leagues, somebody didn't start him either. Concussion, you know, what do you do? You got Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but it didn't matter, man. They still lost the game, but boy, did he look good. Rams come in, win the game 29-23 in overtime. Was it overtime? Yeah. Uh, th the game was a pick -em, so the Rams covered that over 44 and a half. Uh, Shovit, Anthony Richardson? Um, yeah, man. Dude, this is a gift that keeps giving. I mean, I'm, I, it's unfortunate that he had a concussion last week, but I'm so glad I, I was able to play him this week. He played, and and he had a slow first half, but the second half, man, rushing the ball, run, rushing touchdowns, uh, passing touchdowns, it was great. But I don't really want to get into Anthony Richardson. Another guy I want to talk about is Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is practicing tomorrow on Wednesday. And uh, I don't think you can start Jonathan Taylor just quite yet. But you play, you wait one game, see if he's going to take over Zach Moss's um, carries, 
And if he looks good, then I think you can you can consider starting him. But uh, just be on the lookout for Jonathan Taylor in practice. Shishot, talk to us about baby Lamar then. Since Shovet said, screw that. I don't want to talk anything about Anthony Richardson. Man, I love the guy. I can't hate him, man. That's not the reason Shovet beat me. Shovet beat me because my defense couldn't do shit. My kicker couldn't do shit. So that's a different story. Uh, baby Lamar is actually AR5. I don't want to call him baby Lamar anymore. This, this, this is a man with his own identity doing his own things. He actually reminds me a lot of young Deshaun Watson. Everything that you saw yesterday was literally what Deshaun Watson used to do in his rookie year. Um, but yeah, I, I love it. I, this is just going to be a lot of fun for the rest of the year. Um, he's the first quarterback in history to score a rushing touchdown in each of his first three games. So we're not going to see, there won't be an offense design for him to throw more. It's just, no, there's going to be a lot of running. They might incorporate some like option passes or some crazy weird shit when JT comes back, but this offense just got crazy. There's no, there is no defense for this. There is no defense. Yeah, to me, my best comparison for him is Cam Newton. I think just the size and the strength is Cam Newton, but he's fast like Lamar. So he's again, he, you're getting the best of both worlds, which is such a terrifying thing to think about if you're a def if you're the defense. And he's only getting better right now. He doesn't even pass the football super well. But even that, I think, is so much further along than people wanted to give him credit for coming into the season. Like he makes Bryce Young look like he should not have been drafted. So right. it is It is definitely something to ponder. What I want to ponder here is as a Puka Nakua owner and just watching that video, if you guys saw it, where Puka's running into the locker room after the game, uh, McVay's trying to give him one of the game balls, but Puka was too busy like signing autographs or doing something. So he, he's like sprinting back into the, uh, into the locker room and he's already talking about, it. he's like, oh, Puka, blah, blah, blah. Where is he at? And they're like waiting 30 seconds for him and then he comes in. And it's just such yeah. a... It's one of those things where if you're following the Rams over the offseason after they drafted Puka, everything that's been said, like McVay absolutely loves this guy. Stafford adores this guy. Why? Because he understands how to get open in zone. That's literally what Cooper Cup does. So they basically made Puka be Cooper, and now Cooper Cup has a chance to come back this week. My thing is I, I'm not afraid of Cooper Cup coming back anymore for Puka Nakua to be serviceable. I don't think he's a wide receiver one, obviously, because that's Cooper Cup. He's one of the best receivers there is. But I think he is a firm, firm wide receiver too. I think Cooper Cup, Robert Woods days. But I think Puka actually has more upside because, because the whole offense is centered around Cooper Cup. And now, by default, defenses have to address Cooper Cup in the slot, which means one-on-one -on -one for Puka Nakua. Man, sign me up for that all day long underrated Matthew Stafford has like every single game where he's thrown for over 300 yards, but not enough passing touchdowns. So that Rams offense, Kyron Williams seems to be taking every single one of their touchdowns, but I love what this Rams offense looks like. You can start Stafford. You can start Kyron Williams. Cooper cup comes back next week and you can still start Puka Nakua. Oh, and by the way, Tutu Atwell is now their third receiver. All of a sudden the Rams offense looks pretty damn scary. The power of a po good pocket quarterback makes Insane. everybody look good. Insane. The Saints at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Derek Carr stupidly decided he wanted to gut this out, which was the hindrance of not only the Saints, not only Derek Carr, but every single fantasy player not named Alvin Kamara. So the Buccaneers win this 26-9. to They cover the four-and-a-half-point dog spread under 41 caches. I mean, that I just made my point while I was highlighting this game. I commend you for playing Derek Carr, but... I'm sorry. I watched like four or five Derek Carr snaps and I had the least amount of fantasy implications in this football game. So I'm not going to lie to you guys. After seeing those, I did not watch the rest of this football game because I had nobody playing. I had way too many other games that were more important. And it sounds like based on the stat line, based on the fact that Kamara had 13 catches or something for 30 yards, this was a disgusting football game to watch. So Shovit, talk to me about what your takeaway was. Maybe it was Kamara and all of his millions of catches. 
Dude, that's exactly what it is. Camaro with 13 receptions. You PPR monster. I think that'll just continue to be. This is why I'll never play in full PPR. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I will never play in full PPR. (laughs) Half PPR is a sweet spot. You're not justifying a 33 yard performance and getting 13 points for catching the football. I'm sorry. I think that's ridiculous. I think he also had 51 yards to rushing the ball too. I mean, he was involved and there's Williams that is going through injuries. Tony Jones. I don't think he is someone that is going to take away too much from Camaro. So Camaro's back to being start. Uh, you know, full on start mode. Uh, but, I, you know, he's taken away from Chris Olave, man. I'm looking at Olave and I'm seeing Derek Carr doing stupid shit and I'm just really upset. Uh, and Olave is so good. He can catch one handed passes, he can get open, but they're just not utilizing him like the way I want to. Still, ha- still leads like top five in air yards, but uh, fantasy wise, it's just not, not working out for me. So I'm trying to get rid of Olave uh, quickly as possible. As somebody who doesn't own Olave, has he been. Like outside of this week where he had 0.9, yeah, was 13. he bad? No, he's exactly. averaging like 12, 13 points a game. Yeah. So yeah. is is this just this week's bias for you? Because I feel like he's been good. He just can't, he hasn't found the end zone. So that's why he's not going from like yeah. 13 to 19 or 20 points. Right. And that's I think that's going to be the case. There's going to, there's so many people that can get the ball there, right? You got Michael Thomas, you got Rashid, you got, now you have Alvin Kamara in the mix. It's just kind of worse. Don't forget that, Taysom that, Hill. I don't know. I'm not worried about Taysom Hill. But Dude, he'll, limits, steal t- he'll steal touchdowns for damn he sure. He's, he's definitely a vulture. But he is, uh, there's other guys that take away from Olave. And I think that Olave is going to be, you know, yeah, he's going to get you targets and uh, catches and things like that. But um, yeah. So, I, so, so Waddle or Olave then? Yeah, I'd like Waddle better. I mean, I think in that offense, I, I do. Uh, I am considering. Yeah, 100%. Waddle. He's number two, by the way. He's definitely not number three over the running backs. That, that's just because there was no Waddle. Um, but yeah, I, that's, that's a valid point. Valid point. I, I per, so you guys are both on the waddle side. I personally would take Olave. I think if I want my fantasy team, Olave is guaranteed targets. This game doesn't count this game. Just throw this out the window. Yeah. Derek Carr could not throw the football. So it doesn't matter what happened this game. Olave is guaranteed targets because he gets open. Like he is guaranteed targets the football his way. There are weeks where Jalen Waddle doesn't even get the ball thrown his way because Tyreek Hill has 50 fantasy points. You're typically not going to see Michael Thomas have 50 fantasy points. Let me tell you that. So I think the consistency of Olave, I would 100% take. Now, if you have a team that's full of consistency and you don't have a guy that can get you 40, sure. Do you want Waddle? Because there's going to be three or four weeks this season where he's going to put up Tyreek Hill type numbers. Yes. But I think Tyreek Hill is better. Tyreek Hill is going to put up more of those Tyreek Hill numbers, which means what Jalen Waddle is going to have a lot more of those 7.3s and 8.9s because he, if he doesn't have one long touchdown or a big game play, Olave on a week to week basis. I don't care about end of the season who had more points. We need wins every single week. Olave is going to give me a better chance week in and week out to get wins because he's consistent. Waddle might win me a week, but he also might get me three and that's going to yeah, lose I, me a week. I got no Waddle stock. So I'm, I, I want Olave to do well. Please do well, Olave. Yeah. No, I have no stock on either of these guys either. This is simply for people that care. I would personally take Olave over Waddle right now. Feels like just yesterday uh, we were talking about how the Falcons were supposed to win this division and the Bucks were unplayable in fantasy, but you know because of Mayfield. But you know it's early on in the year, right? So we're still we're seeing this resurgence of this Bucks offense out of nowhere, where these random players are scoring touchdowns like Palmer and just weirdos, right? I'm not expecting that to be sustainable. All right, I'm not expecting that to be sustainable. This is going to be a close race. This division is going to be really close, but it's going to be close in mediocrity. Um, that we expected. So so far, it looks like a completely different situation than we what we predicted. It's just a lot of running for the Falcons and a lot of throwing for the um, 
Buccaneers. But I think it's going to come to a middle ground, and uh, I suspect things to change. I, I, I do see things looking better for uh, White for the Buccaneers because that was a really tough stretch of players, uh, defensive players to go against, and now it opens up a little bit. There's a lot of green spread out for the rest of the year. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, now let's kick it over to the Panthers and the Vikings. Vikings on the road, won this game 21 to 13, covered the four and a half point spread under 46 caches. Uh, Shovit, Chuba Hubbard, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, given Miles Sanders' injury, I think Chuba Hubbard is a guy you need to go out and pick up. Uh, I think Miles Sanders, we saw the targets that he got. And I think, you know, if there's no Miles Sanders, the only guy that's going to get that uh, running back share is going to be Chuba Herbert. And so uh, he is going to be a three down work ho- work horse load uh, if he uh, if, if if Miles Sanders is out. So go out and get him. Yeah, I mean, we know what Chuba is, but you're right. Blackshire, I think, is like the third string there. So with how many targets Miles, Miles Sanders hasn't been a good running back, but the volume and the targets he gets is insane. He's like an RB one status. So yeah, if he's hurt, then you absolutely start Chuba back to my, like, I don't want to get into the whole Miles Sanders thing, but Miles Sanders was an automatic start despite his matchup, just because of the usage that he's getting. And it was the Vikings anyways. But uh, my biggest takeaway here is right now you're full fading the Panthers as well. Just like I was full fading the Denver Broncos starting all my players, every defense that's playing Carolina and Bryce young right now, you start them next week. The lions play Carolina. Aiden Hutchinson should have five sacks himself. So lions are a free agent defense, right? now i don't care how bad any defense like the chargers you could pick up against bryce young right now until bryce young proves that he can like manage a full offense full game like a full 60 minutes of an offense he looks lost out there he looks really small my biggest thing that i've noticed with bryce young guys is all of those sacks where the quarterback even as unathletic as he is the size of nfl quarterbacks can do a shimmy shake like you could do a quick spin and a lot of these big 290 pounders just kind of like graze him and come off right just because you shimmied and they're running full strength well what i noticed is harrison smith would run full strength at bryce and bryce is so small that even his little shimmy and shake he's not moving very much so i feel like even like arm tackles and guys like grabbing just his jersey can take him down and right now that's why he's not evading the pocket that's why he's getting sacked a lot easier and that's my biggest fear is does he have the nfl play strength right now he's a rookie i don't see him putting on 20 pounds mid-season so i think through the rest of the season you have to fade bryce young every single defense starting against bryce young with that offensive line with the fact that he's a turnover machine you have to start him so lions defense next week against bryce young must start agreed he's too small size does matter in the nfl um, so Thielen, you know, I just want to make a point. He's getting a lot of targets. If you're struggling on the receiver end, you just lost Mike Evans, blah, 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 all these type of scenarios. You could throw him there. They are looking for a new wide receiver one, though, however, because Thielen, he can catch every ball you throw to him, but it's not sustainable long term because he has a big injury history. And I think they're starting to see it's only week four, and this dude's already like getting banged up and this and that. I think. They made a point, I think about like three, four hours ago, a message came out saying they are looking for a wide receiver one. And uh, someone was saying uh, Claypool's available. And I'm like, dude, if, you, if you're starting to go down that road again, like God bless you. For He's all not your any better teams. than any of their already receivers. I know. I know. I'd take DJ Chark um, over him in a flash. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's the Panthers end. On the Vikings end, nothing changes. It's the Vikings offense. It's, it is what it is. You'll get the little Dick and Nugs. You'll get a lot of Jefferson and you'll get a potential Addison touchdown. Until further notice, the running back situation is still the same. Until further notice, Addison is not going to explode. 
sorry, should have should have uh, listened. Um, told a lot of people in a lot of different fantasy football leagues, do not start banking on Addison to get Jefferson numbers because of those deep bombs. Deep bombs are not something you should set your lineup in regards to, unless you're Jameson Williams and you're faster than literally literally everybody else in the field. Um, just be be aware. Be aware of these early on things that kind of. Uh, drag your thought process in a different direction. It's still the Vikings offense. Nothing is going to change in this offense. Yeah. And I think for people who aren't Vikings fans, it's important to know why, because Jordan Addison was drafted in the first round. You would automatically assume he'd be wide receiver too. The problem is my biggest knock on Jordan Addison was his size. And I was struggling with the fact that what is he going to do against press coverage? But the problem is, the one play where Justin Jefferson got hurt, how did he get hurt? Jordan Addison was supposed to block on a screen pass and he got absolutely lit up, dude. Sure. He's like 5'11, 170. Like he, like I'm 5'9 and I think I was 180 at one point, right? So like he is not very big at all. So he is getting demolished. So that's why in during two wide receiver sets, if it's a running play, Addison can't be on the field because he can't block. Yeah. It almost makes our offense predictable. When Addison is on the field, chances are we're throwing the football because he can't block. So that is definitely something to think about. He's just not on the field enough. Two wide receiver sets. Why is KJ Osborne the inferior pass catcher on the field? Because he can at least pass protect or run block, I guess. Steelers and Texans. My God, the Houston Texans are for real. Their fans are rejoicing. 30 to six beatdown of Pittsburgh at home. Covered, th they were three point dogs at home. They win the game outright under 41 and a half caches. Uh, talk to me about your biggest takeaway here. My biggest takeaway is what the fuck are you doing, Steelers? My second biggest takeaway is. Dude, Nico Collins is, I'm starting to understand a pattern he's here, good. okay? He's really good, and he's really big. Why didn't nobody tell me how big this man he's was dude, last I've year? Been saying, he's massive. He's massive. He's huge. He's huge, and, you know, goal line targets, he's just going to get all of them now. Tank Dell is great, but I think I've noticed a pattern here. In a positive game script um, where it benefits passing the ball more, Nico Collins is going to have to share the target share with Tank Dell, right? In close games... They're going to go to Nico Collins because the, the, as much as they love throwing the ball at Tank Dell, the trust isn't there yet in those close situations and goal line situations. Nico Collins is big. Tank Dell is small. So just take that into consideration and look understand how the game scripts have gone so far. Um, again, another thing to make a point of, I guess my third point, uh, Damian Pierce getting two targets is nice to see because this man gets no passing catches and slowly, <laughs> slowly he's been getting some work. I think that's just the progress of how um, well CJ Stroud has been doing. Yeah, Shova, what did you see in this game? Yeah, I mean, the Steelers, uh, did you someone wrote Texans are for real? The Steelers are Steelers are for real bad. They're they're a bad <laughs> team. And uh, you know, you talk about the Broncos and anyone that you play on the Broncos playing against the Broncos, deploy them, Bears. I think the same thing goes to the Steelers. Any any team it that if you have a receiver that's going against the Steelers defense, you need to deploy them because um as soon as we get, you know, great offensive linemen playing like the the you know, the offensive line is able to stop TJ Watt, then you're going to be able to throw on Peterson. So, you know, next week, Zay Flowers is that guy um, against the Steelers. I think he can have a great day. Uh, the Steelers defense is not looking as good as they have ever been. Um, and, the, and, and the flip side of that, CJ Stroud, he's been a guy that you need to pick up on waiver every week. I hope you, you got him. Um, if you didn't, you may have lost your chance here. Uh, no interceptions, six touchdowns on the year. I think he also had a rushing touchdown. I mean, this guy is the real deal, uh, looking like the true QB one that should have been drafted over, over Bryce Young. So sorry if you missed your chance, but if he's still there, you need to go out and get him. Yeah, I, I had sent you guys that like crazy stat, right? And I'm trying to find it now, which is just insanity yeah. because it talks about- Peyton Manning. All... Yeah. Peyton Manning, <laughs> Drew Brees, 
Tom Brady and uh, like literally like some Patrick other really Mahomes and Aaron Patrick Rogers. Mahomes and so Aaron Rodgers. The five best quarterbacks that maybe all three of us have of ever witnessed in our life. For sure. DJ Stroud is the sixth player ever to have 300 passing yards per game average with zero in, uh, interceptions through four games. So like that is Amazing. that, that, I mean, dude, so there are some wonky lists, right? I'll always remember the list where like Thaddeus Young is on with LeBron James. I don't know if you guys remember that's like one of the weirdest stats, like <laughs> 6.8 rebounds or something. And like you have that, but for some reason, this feels legit, man. Like you're a rookie quarterback and through four games, you've thrown zero interceptions like that. To me, that's unheard of. That's absolutely mm -hmm. unheard of. So to me, that's incredibly encouraging. What I want to talk about real quick, and real quick on the Nico Collins thing, showed, this man's a freak. Six foot four, 220 pounds. Oh, by yeah. the way, he ran a 4-4-2 40-yard dash. So he's balloons, not so. just big. Yeah, balloons. Because I was celebrating Nico Collins. This guy's <laughs> freak, bro. 6'4", 4 speed. He's got AP wow. speed and Calvin Johnson size. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing here, but I missed out on that party. Got no oh, Nico stock. Dude, I traded away Nico stock and I'm regretting it. I want to talk real quick about this Kenny Pickett situation, Trovit. Um, as as much as it sucks to say, if every any week that Mitch Trubisky can play, I think you have a much higher chance of deploying Pickens, Fryermuth, who's hurt now, even Jalen Warren, because I think the passing game can work a lot better with anybody that's not Kenny Pickett. And so my thought here is with Deontay Johnson coming off the IR here in a week or two weeks, maybe um, if Kenny Pickett is not coming back, I don't know the, I don't know the extent of this injury because it went from like, he's playing. He's, I'm pretty sure he's playing. He got a, oh a contusion. It was a bone contusion, which hurts a lot, but I'm, I'm going to, if I were, if I was a betting man, which I'm not like you guys, I would bet that he would play this week. Why don't do this? Yeah. Don't, just don't do it. Why play through injury when you're already playing bad, healthy? Like I don't understand. He's just got a lot to prove, and uh, it's a he, he, it's a Steeler mentality, and he's gonna do. Put Jalen Warren out there at least, at least oh, yeah. start okay. Jalen Warren. Yeah, the Steelers have multiple positions where the wrong players are playing the game. So um, that's my biggest takeaway personally in fantasy is if Kenny Pickett doesn't start. I think George Pickens is that much safer of a start. I think you need to try to go out and get Deontay Johnson if somebody dra uh, dropped him and stash him on your IR spot because he's still the target guy. We love Pickens, but Pickens is getting like three, four catches a game. And if he's not getting in the end zone, it's not like he's good. He's flashy, but that's nothing for fantasy for us. It's not sustainable. He's not a week-to-week -week start. The target's not there. The volume share is not there. So Deontay Johnson comes back and Kenny Pickett somehow is not the quarterback, which, you know, personally, if I'm a fantasy owner, I hope he's not. Then I think Deontay Johnson becomes that much more valuable. The Chargers and the Raiders in LA. The Chargers win this game 24 to 17. Aiden O'Connell took way too many sacks. They cover the six and a half point spread under 49 caches. I will kick us off. Josh Jacobs, big, big bust early on, but his saving grace has been his pass usage. He is getting so many targets out of the backfield and it helps. Jimmy G is the guy. First read, second read, not there. Dump it off. Aiden O'Connell, rookie quarterback, dump off, dump off, dump off, right? So Josh Jacobs has been a monster catching the pass, uh, pass catching out of the backfield, even though his rushing has not been relevant. So where you drafted him, you're disappointed, but because of the passing usage, I think he's better than those guys like the Mixons and stuff, just because you're not seeing the volume that you would like to see. And I think, the problem with the offense as a whole is that Devontae Adams is quarterback proof. I think we proved that with getting, what, 50 targets through four weeks, which is tied for the most in the NFL with Puka Nakua, might I add. Um, and Jacoby Myers is not. So I love Jacoby Myers, but I think when you have somebody that's not Jimmy G, you can't start Jacoby. The minute Jimmy G is back, I think Jacoby Myers goes into wide receiver too. This offense cannot 
like run the football effectively. They were passing the ball to Jacobs. Their defense looks horrible. What does that mean? That means they're going to have to pass the football a lot. Jacoby Myers is still a free agent in some leagues, and I think he needs to be plugged and played when Jimmy G is in your lineup. So that's my biggest takeaway from that game. Uh, it. what was your biggest takeaway in Raiders Chargers? Yeah, so a lot of people got Joshua Palmer or Quentin Johnston. Um, and I think that through this game, Quentin Johnson's just not seen as many snaps as to warrant a, a roster spot, in my opinion. I think that Joshua Palmer and Keenan Allen, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, they're going to be the guys that command the targets on this team. I would even go to say that Quentin Johnson can be dropped from your fantasy team. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, you got to learn the playbook, man. And this is a clear cut case of don't 100%. know the playbook. This is the play. This is the playbook thing, bro, for sure. Dude, for sure, for sure. Um, so Justin Herbert, I just you know, dude, like, stop it. He's playing so well. He's playing so well. He's, it's QB one right now because he doesn't have those 40 point games because he wasn't running. Right. But he had 12 carries for 27 yards and two touchdowns. What, who is Naj- this man? Na- and- Najee Harris. <laughs> kind of sounds like him, but anyways, dude, Justin Herbert, if you keep playing like this, you're going to continue to be QB one. You're not going to get 40 point games from Justin Herbert. We've seen for three, four seasons now, he's just not that guy, but he's a very good passer. And if he's going to incorporate 12 carries into that kind of stuff, we're seeing 35 plus points that will elevate his game to the next level. Um, but keep in mind, there is a bye week coming and Austin Eckler is going to be back, who is also the AFC CMC. Um, so touches, carries. Um, if you can trade Herbert for a Josh Allen uh, while he's still hot, um, I would do that. Um, I don't know if I would trade Justin Herbert for anybody else. Maybe Anthony Richardson and plus some change. Um, some people will still bank on Herbert to be the better player there. But uh, there's a there's a really good chance Anthony Richardson ends up being QB1 by the end of the season. Dude, you bring up a great, great point, man. This is fantastic. Justin Herbert is quarterback one. Everybody that's like even uncasual, even like above average fantasy football players want that player. He's the number one quarterback in fantasy football. Anthony Richardson's missed a week. So if you're just looking at numbers and stats and what is he ranked as quarterback, he's not as high and he plays for the Colts. Everybody wants the appeal of Herbert. You could absolutely package Herbert out get Richardson and still ask for something on top of Anthony Richardson. And I think that Mm -hmm. is a home run trade to make. Absolutely. Like you said, Eckler comes back, bro. The dude's averaging like 20 touchdowns a season. He's obviously going to take some of those rushing touchdowns uh, away from Herbert. So I think dude, that that's a stellar, stellar move. Show it. Are you going to offer Or actually you have Richardson? So you're on the opposite end of that spectrum, but um, no, I think that, I think that's a fantastic point. Moving on to the Dallas Cowboys put an ass beating on the Patriots who had to bench Mac Jones because Mac Jones has a weird personality that I can't quite figure out yet. 38 to three final Dallas Cowboys play a bunch of defense. Their offense doesn't need to do much. They cover the six point spread under 43 caches. I mean, I don't know how you can watch this game and not talk about the Cowboys defense because they are insane. Like just insane pass rush everywhere. The secondary is ball hawking left and right. Um, I mean, they're matchup proof. They're they're to me, they currently are holding the value of like, I don't know, man, like a wide receiver too, like a fringe RB2. Like they're that valuable right now to fantasy football. You don't even have to worry about who they're playing. I honestly don't care. They play the 49ers this week. I don't care. I think you are starting the Dallas Cowboys defense right now against the San Francisco 49ers because what are, are you gonna start the Lions against uh Bryce Young? Maybe great matchup, but right now the Dallas Cowboys, it doesn't matter who's in front of them. Their defense is insane. Stop me if I'm incorrect though. Would you bench the Cowboys defense against the 49ers? Yes, I would. 
I think that they did not have a very good game against the Cardinals last week, and this is against the Cardinals. Now, 49ers are in town. Shanahan offense against his defense. I mean, that's a big test. I, do, I don't think I would uh, start the Cowboys defense, me personally. Yeah, I'm going to bite the bullet, and I'm going to start them. There's just too many plays they make. They have the best defensive player in football. It's just there, – there's. I understand. I get it. This is week four. You know, so sometimes you can't make decisions with the week four theory. Sometimes – and this is one of those moments, you know. I am willing to – I mean, what are your other options, right? Like, if you're going to start Washington That's Commanders, are, yeah. are you going to start the Colts and pray? Like, you may not get the Eagles' choice, and you may not get a 49ers' choice. So – what are your other options? They're not going to be as good as the upside the the Cowboys have. Yeah, Brock Purdy's doing stellar. He's just playing like a perfect game manager. He's not going to throw five touchdowns on you. So you're banking CMC to run through uh, Micah Parsons. You're you're expecting a Cowboys defense who has held everybody in check uh, to somehow just fall apart, right? That can happen. And against the Cardinals, who they kind of underprepared for, they didn't expect the Cardinals to be as good. They're going to fully prepare for CMC and gang. I can guarantee you that. As much as I want the Cowboys to get destroyed, if you're telling me I can have this defense, I'll start them against anybody. I, I really would. Because I my defense gave me four points. I I, I don't care. If I'm, if I'm going to get four points from the Cowboys defense, that's just as good as four points from anybody else. Yeah, that that's my biggest thing is like your comparison is you're playing a defense that is way worse, but has a better matchup, right? So like this team has proved through four weeks that they're matchup proof. So again, I think the trade-off is about the same. They regress because it's the 49ers and you play the upside of a bad defense against a bad offense. But I, I would play the lines over Bryce Young in a lot of situations unless I had the Dallas Cowboys defense. And I still think in that situation, I'm starting the Cowboys defense. Uh, Shobit, real quick, did you want to talk about uh, Jake Ferguson? Yeah, I do want to talk about Jake Ferguson in a, in a world where tight ends don't get all the love that they need. Uh, Jake Ferguson, 27% target share, 7 for 7, 77 yards. He's a red zone threat. Uh, I think he had the first touchdown as, uh, as a tight end uh, last week, uh, the first touchdown of the game. Um, but that's all he did. But this time, he got seven targets. So I think that he's a, a decent start, uh, a guy that you can continue starting throughout, uh, you know, with, with the way the tight end landscape is. You know, Jake Ferguson, waiver wire claim for sure. Perfect. Take it. Speaking of the 49ers who the Cowboys face next week, they played the Arizona Cardinals who the Cowboys lost to. Look at that. 35-16, the 49ers won at home, cover the 14-point spread, over 44 caches. Um, I mean, the story here is CMC, Shisho. Talk to me about CMC uh, as if we just need to talk about him even more. No, I mean, the biggest knock, I mean, think about it, right? Like, I, I had the number one overall pick two years ago, got CMC. You had the number one overall pick last year, got CMC. I didn't. I, got I mean, we, we know how... Thank you for reminding me. Oh, you got Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> so, but you should have gotten CNC. But, oh, you know, know, the injury history is scary. It's it, it's a season-ending type of decision you have to make if you're choosing to have him on your team. And honestly, like, I am really good at fantasy football, but I also have emotions. And sometimes you let the emotions make the decisions. And I was like, you know what? I remember how stressful that shit was. I had to draft three other running backs because of his injury history. And thank God that panned out. But not everybody thinks that way. And I might not get those chances again, ever again, when I'm drafting um, the way I did that year. So instead of taking upon that stress, I was like, let me just get a surefire wide receiver, right? So that thought process has scarred me. And I'm like, okay, I want no part of CMC this year. I want nothing to do with his injuries. Nobody should have him because he's going to get hurt. I'm telling you right now, he's going to get hurt. So it's one of those like hyperbole decisions. Um, but this man is unstoppable. And every time you think he's going to get caught, he either hurdles you, spins you, 
finds a different way to do it. He's been doing this shit since he was four years old, and there's a highlight reel of him at four playing peewee football and, like, trucking other peewee players or running by them or juking them. This is in his blood. This is what he does. He's the best. He is the leader in points scored in all of fantasy for a reason. Um, just feed him the ball. Feed him the ball. Let things happen. And when you have Kyle Shanahan, it's just, bro, like, it's it's Chiefs, 49ers, Bills, 49ers. There's There's nothing else. Yeah, That's dude, it. he's he's the go in fantasy football. It's pretty apparent right now. You you know, you, there's a world where you're looking at yourself being like, I probably should have drafted him over Justin Jefferson, number one. So, but the only caveat to that is Jefferson has no injury history and in CMC does, right? So when you have right. two players of equal caliber, you're like, who am I going to take? Obviously, my idiot ass thought Jonathan Taylor was of equal caliber last year, took him, and he was bad. So don't make that mistake unless it's Justin Jefferson. You are taking CMC. Um, on the Cardinals side, though, show of it, rookie receiver coming onto the scene. Dude, Michael Wilson, man, uh, definitely waiver wire target. Seven targets, uh, got to the end zone twice last week and uh, ran the route, ran th- 35 routes. I think that with the Cardinals and with the way they're set up, right, they do run the ball often, but if they're down early, they're going to have to pass the ball. Hollywood Brown uh, is is the guy that we we're talking about, but, but we really need to put Michael Wilson on the map. I mean, this guy can uh, definitely uh, evade the defense, can get uh, – Get open, and I think I, I like the way Michael Wilson looked last week. I think that he's not going to be just a guy that gets two touchdowns and you know forget about him. No, I think Michael Wilson is here to say a guy that I am uh, heavily targeting on waiver wires this week. Yeah, and and to piggyback off other pass catchers, I mean the Cardinals were to me again a black hole for pass catchers coming into the season because I was like they're starting Joshua Dobbs, like they're not taking themselves seriously. I along with the rest of the world vastly underestimated Joshua Dobbs. He's been playing fantastic. The Jets could potentially trade for him and he'd be an upgrade over their quarterback. Although we'll talk about that next game, but he is making these pass catchers relevant because like you said, if they can't run the football or if they go down, he's got to throw and he's also utilizing his legs. So it's not like he's only passing. He's not one dimensional himself. That automatically keeps the defense honest. And that allows rookies to have seven catches for 76 yards. That allows Hollywood Brown to have 10 targets this game. Oh, Zach Ertz also 10 targets this game. Both of their players got 10 targets. What's another tight end this week that got 10 targets? Anybody? Nobody? Probably nobody, right? So a tight end, not named Travis Kelsey right now. Zach Hurts is still a free agent. So I don't understand why Zach Hurts isn't being used. Obviously, it's not like he's catching touchdowns. He's not having insane yardage production. But right now, in the tight end position, you're not getting that from basically anybody. So what are you going to take? What are you going to bank on? Somebody that's actually getting the ball thrown their way. And right now, Zach Hurts is getting the ball thrown his way more than just about every other tight end in football. So to me, Zach Hurts right now over just about everybody, maybe Andrews, maybe uh, obviously Kelsey, uh, Hawkinson, Laporta. But to me, Ertz has to be started over some of these other guys. Like I have Darren Waller and Dallas Goddard, and I thought like my tight ends were going to be amazing this year. And they have been two of the worst tight ends in football. So I'm in a predicament where I'm considering dropping those guys for Zachary. Who's, so, the, who's the second guy you mentioned after Darren Waller? Uh, Dallas Goddard. Oh my God. That sucks. Yeah. It's been a horrific tight end experience for me in a world where both drafts, I went in being like, dude, Waller fell to me. Dude, Goddard fell to me. Yeah. Steal, steal value. Yeah. Steal. doesn't matter if they're not getting the ball thrown their way. Right. So All of that's a moot point. If they're not getting the ball thrown their way, 49ers look legit. Cardinals pass catchers, actually fantasy viable. That's the biggest takeaway there. Sunday night football, speaking of Zach Wilson and the Jets, they hosted the Chiefs and they played a good game, 20 to 23 final. They lose, Chiefs covered the, or no, they covered the eight and a half point dog spread over 41 caches. Um, I'll talk about it real quick because I already talked about it a little bit. Zach Wilson, Garrett Wilson. 
Garrett Wilson's stock was predominantly hinged upon Aaron Rodgers coming there. He went down, so all of a sudden he became a non-factor. Now, this week he had 14 targets against the Chiefs. The Chiefs have a pretty good defense, and it's not like the Chiefs were... I guess they, they were up, what, 17 nothing early, and it was a comeback or something like that. Um, so they were passing coming from behind. Best game of Zach Wilson's career, by far. He looked the absolute best he's ever looked. Now, here is what's encouraging. Every week, Garrett Wilson's targets has gone up. Five targets week one, eight targets week two, nine targets week three, 14 targets week four. And that schedule stays soft, fam. They got the Broncos next week. They got Philly, who everybody can throw on right now. They got the Giants, who look like absolute garbage. The Chargers can't stop anybody. Vegas can't stop anybody. And then Miami is in a track meet with every team. Those are five of their next six matchups, guys. Zach Wilson, I think Garrett Wilson right now in those matchups, automatic plug and play. Zach Wilson's only getting better. I'm not saying you start Zach Wilson, but I think because of the matchups and because of the fact that maybe they're making an emphasis on throwing the football to their best player, 14 targets this week. I think that's a good sign of things to come. And I think Garrett Wilson has a world where you can now start him. Yeah. Okay. So this game was a Sunday night football, right? Um, I think that Taylor Swift is a problem. I think she's a big problem for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that they're trying to force feed uh, Kelsey. And I think, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the Chiefs play the Vikings next week, maybe? They yes. Do. Yeah, sure and so they're already talking to Kelsey, trying to get in his head, trying to get him the ball. And you know what? Oh, sorry. And, and, and no, no, and and so I think that that's a problem for uh for the Chiefs. Uh, they're trying to force feed Kelsey, and none of the receivers get any looks. Like I am dropping every single receiver that I've ever considered in <laughs> one of my leagues, including Rasheed Rice. He's got to go. Kadarius Tony got to go. If I mean, shame on me for even thinking that you know any of these guys could be on your team. Uh, but if it's not Patrick Mahomes, Kelsey, or um, Pacheco, then there shouldn't be no world where the Chiefs off Chiefs uh, players are on your fantasy team. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I get it. Uh, Chiefs, uh, dude, I hate to say the NFL is rigged, but that looked like some of the most rigged shit I've ever seen in my life. Terrible, terrible calls, face masks that wasn't even. Anyways, like I'll just uh, I won't talk about that because can't do anything with that for fantasy. But um, Zach Wilson, man, like. He did play good and I am proud of him. And that was the one time in my life I was actually rooting for him, like straight up. I've never rooted for this guy because he's played like ass the whole time. But I wanted to see him win. The, the, the storyline, you know, and I'm tired of this Taylor Swift bullshit. I am so tired of it. You have no idea how tired of it I am. Um, so I just want to, I wanted to end. They, they did too much on that end. It's not about you. Stop making this shit about you. It's football. Let's talk about football. Um, but Zach Wilson, you know, I actually picked up Zach Wilson because of Joe Burrow's struggles and Anthony Richardson had uh, a concussion. I had no quarterbacks. I picked up a Russell Wilson and I picked up a Zach Wilson because I have seven players I could pick up on that bench. Um, dropped him eventually because I didn't have a kicker. But anyways, all that being said, Zach Wilson, he's just getting too many opportunities. This isn't like, why? Why do people... You know, there's quarterbacks in this league, which I'm not going to mention, that have played phenomenal their whole lives and they get shat on when they make one mistake. Zach Wilson plays like straight up doo-doo the whole time. We're not just talking about rookie. We're talking about very much past just the trial phase. Um, has just played really terrible. And now he has a really good game. I understand. I understand playing him for the upcoming schedule because I saw the same thing. I was like, these defenses suck. Let's just see what happens. But to give this man a chance like he's now the up and coming next Jesus Christ is a little outlandish that I'm hearing from a lot of media. I, I mean, people like to hear storylines, right? So this is a good storyline to kind of hype up, but it's just not, I, I don't think it's warranted and I don't think he deserves it. I think he still has way more to prove before we're starting to like, 
all right, jump on the wagon. Because remember, when you get, you know, um, backstabbed 17, 18 times, and then that person says one nice thing about you, you can't just hang on to that one nice thing. You've got to remember all this shit that has happened. So keep that in mind when you're looking at this uh, Zach Wilson situation, because there will be more mistakes coming. Are they going to be as bad? Maybe not. Maybe he's Maybe there's some intense coaching happening from Aaron Rodgers, but that was already supposed to happen all, all preseason long. He's a got his opportunity. I'm hoping for a good play. I'm hoping for him to be a serviceable quarterback for Garrett Wilson's sake, but to jump on the wagon and just kind of like be like Zach Wilson's going to turn things around. I fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Like, come on. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't hear as much of that personally, so I must not have been looking in the same spots, but like, I think a lot of the national attention and backing of him is also because of the national attention and shitting on him, right? Like Rodney Harrison on the interview yeah, that was with too much. Chris Jones, like he, and he, he didn't just ask it once. He reiterated it when Jones tried yeah. to like, like be a professional. Sport. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, th- you're yeah. a fucking professional on TV. Like we can shit on him all we want. We're a podcast with three rando dudes. Like he's on national TV. He's interviewing the opponent that just demolished him. <laughs> Chris Jones fucking knows how bad Zach Wilson is, but why are you right. trying to put him in a situation where he has to admit that? And I think right. that along with just the overarching narrative of how bad he is, is why all of a sudden you're starting to see people feel bad, including myself. Like I was dude, like you just, you just panned him in the sidelines and every single time it shows him, I'm like, dude, like what is going on in his head right now? Like it's, it's, it cannot be good things. It cannot be good mental things that are going on in his head. And I think that's why he's getting more attention because holy shit. Yeah. Like we're praising this guy. Like he played a phenomenal football game when he was a second overall pick that has not even put together like a 60 minute quarter football game of like decency. And for the first time he played remotely decent and we're treating him like, Oh my God, this is incredible. I agree. Temper those temper, all of that. But I think it just comes from the fact that he's getting absolutely destroyed in the spotlight and media. But yeah, no, I, I don't know. We, 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 we dove away from fantasy there. Um, I think like you guys said, um, no receivers on the Chiefs startable. Garrett Wilson to me, matchup based. Like it's awesome to see 14 targets. I know Zach Wilson's throwing them like three yards a target, but it's still awesome to see 14 That's targets okay. because <laughs> I felt like there was a world where the rest of the season I had nowhere to put Garrett Wilson and I couldn't drop him. And this at least gives me some hope. Let's end the episode, guys. Monday night football, the Seahawks and the Giants played in New York, and the Giants Kind of didn't play. 24 to 3 final. Seahawks destroy them. Two and a half point spread. They cover with ease under 46 caches. Uh, Shove it. Talk to me about your biggest takeaway here. Dude, not a lot to take away, man. The Giants suck. That's my takeaway. <laughs> uh, and I'm looking at this, and and uh, DK is on a bye week next week. So I'm looking at you know guys that I need to add. Um, Wilson from the, from the Cardinals is the guy that you can uh, look into. Uh, you know, and, and I'm just going to reiterate Giants suck. And we get to see them again on Sunday Night Football. I feel like that game should change. To not Sunday night football, make that a four o'clock game instead of a seven o'clock, and let's move oh on. My from Giants, I got to play against Shisho this week with Tyreek Hill going against the G-Men. My goodness, I'm just gonna have to sit there. Dude, and... I actually have some pretty good matchups against Shovit. I had no good matchups, and Najee Harris had good matchups, and all he could but all he could muster up was ten points. But you know, again, <laughs> but um, I have some pretty good matchups this week. I'm pretty excited. Um, so yeah, just to highlight some things that I've noticed, some trends on the Seahawks side. Kenneth Walker is so annoying to play against because he's everything I would want in my running backs. I just, I hate, I hate everything about him because I'm just so jealous of Kenneth Walker. He's one of those players that I really liked last year. And I'm like, can't wait to jump early to grab him next year. And this whole Charbonnet bullshit came along and just threw me off course. And I went for just 
standalone running backs and standalone backfields. And Terrence Walker getting everything. He's getting everything. He gets he gets all those shitty Ezekiel Elliott runs, and then he breaks one free for 72 yards, and he gets the goal line carry. I can't even imagine a world where any of my running backs could ever have that type of situation. So, you know, my, my theory for the next two weeks is find a way to get Kenneth Walker on my team. That's just, that's just, that's like number three on my things I must do in fantasy football list. I am going to find a way to find him on my team. I swear to God, I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. He dude, he's a good running back, man. He, he runs the football. Well, I will say Charbonnet and his limited touches does look like a good running back as well. I don't understand he why he got drafted there. To be honest, Ken Walker was great. He was really good. And yeah. He's still really good. Um, so th- that, that's, that's, that's even better. That That's even better that Charbonnet is getting those eight touches, like 10 touches. I don't have to spend that much to get Kenneth Walker because I'm not expecting him to get all the goal line carries. You know what I mean? Like he gets most of them for you to be an RB one, but he's not, he's still on a buy low stage of his season. And I think that is, th- he's not going to get worse than this. This is going to be the only time where like, uh, after this, it's going to be like crazy numbers, CMC style of performance. There's going to be a few games where he gets like four touchdowns. Yeah, I agree. Would you guys drop Darren Waller? Ooh, no. I don't think you can drop no. him. There's no tight end that you would replace him with that you could be like, okay, like uh, if dude, Ferguson, Ertz. If you have, if you have I could Laporta, get Ferguson or Ertz. Would I, would you drop Waller for Ferguson or Ertz? For Ertz, yes. For Ertz, yes. I mean, Ertz gets targets, but he doesn't do anything with those targets, right? And Waller doesn't even get targets. I mean, that's true. He gets he got two targets. He caught both of them. Bro, yeah. I I we we've watched the Vikings and a lot of their atrocious offensive line play over the year. Dude, I, did you guys, I know you guys, I don't know if you guys have much fantasy implication last night to even pay attention because it wasn't even worth paying attention to, but the Giants on offense were, it dude, you, you had no chance. Like he, I don't even think he had two seconds to throw the oh, football yeah. before somebody was in the backfield. And like, again, he's already not that great of a quarterback. They already don't have great weapons. He already has no time to throw. It's a disaster, man. Like they are, I don't know how you get better because their offensive line, like they said, they said this on uh, the broadcast, they've drafted five offensive linemen in like the, in over the past three seasons in the top three rounds. So like they're addressing their weakness, but Evan Neal, who was one of the most surefire tackles out of Alabama is looking like a bust, like a complete yeah, bust. Is. And so it's, it's Andrew insane. Thomas is hurt. So that yes. kind of hurts them. That does hurt. And he had a horrible first year and then he played really well. So there's a world where Evan Neal can get better, but they've addressed this and it's so bad. And now like I have to start Saquon. Obviously, he's the number one pick, and he's going to touch the football all the time. But I see Saquon having very, very inefficient numbers because there's nowhere to go. And so I think he's going to be a serviceable fantasy player. He's going to be good, obviously not serviceable, but touchdowns probably limited. If there's a world where they're scoring a touchdown, it's probably a good chance it's Saquon. But he's going to have similar to like seven catches for 40 yards and maybe you know 14 carries for 46 yards. And I'm going to have to bank on the fact that he's catching balls because this offense. They they can't they, they can't run routes. Why do you think Wandell Robinson had as many targets? Because he's the fastest guy to run a quick out, and Robin and and Jones needs one second to throw that football. So I think there's a world where if you're that desperate and like you're gonna start somebody who's gonna just be able to get out of their break quick enough to see the ball, it's Wandell Robinson. But everybody else sucks. So I'm scared with Barkley coming back as a dual Barkley owner because this offense is so bad that what's stopping them from putting ten in the box, man? Like what's stopping them? Nothing. Nothing is stopping them. I would say I wouldn't I wouldn't drop Waller because I feel like when Barkley comes back, 
they're going to be a more balanced offense. You know, it's like they're, they're, they'll utilize Barkley in the passing game and running game. That will stop because they had like 10 sacks last game, right? Like they were just passing the ball, trying to get, try to come back from this game. And they got into the end zone at one point and, and Daniel Jones threw a pick, right? It's not like they didn't, they weren't able to like, and at that point the game was already over. So I think that you can't drop Waller because you have to hope they had a game where they came back from like 21 points in the second half. And so we've seen this offense do something. It's not like completely stagnant. So you got to hope that they figure this out and yeah. Barkley helps them out. You're not just dropping Waller. You're dropping Waller for a better player available, which would be Ertz. If Ertz is available, I'm dropping Waller because I'm not going to stack two average-ass tight ends, right? It, it's just not smart. Four-man so, bench makes it hard, dude. So hard. Yeah, you can't. You can't. So if you – and you want production now. Like, we're not going to wait. And that, that ankle for Saquon Barkley, I'm a little nervous, dude. I'm already thinking, like, you know, if, if my quarterback is Joe Burrow right now – um, I'm sending Saquon for Kenneth Walker and try to see if I can pull the trigger on like a Deshaun Watson, maybe like, I, you know, I'm, I'm concerned. I am concerned for this offense, but I'm being a little, this was like a last minute drastic decision. I just thought of on the spot, but I'm sure I can p- think of a better package. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum where Saquon owners shouldn't panic as much as I am doing right now is because you're going to get 10 targets in this shitty ass offense. And that is enough. Anytime you get 10 targets from a running back of Saquon's caliber is RB1 material. And there is no other running back to get goal line carries. So if there's goal line carries, he's getting them all. Like there are, trust me, there are players who would die to be in the shitty offense and, and own Saquon. Like I have no hope at goal line carries for, for a lot of my running backs. Cause I just did some weird shit with running backs, but um, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not bad. No matter what happens, Saquon owners are going to be fine. Darren Waller, Drop him if you can find Ertz. If you can't find Ertz, just hold on to him and pray because there's nothing else out there. It just sucks because his matchup this week is the Dolphins. And I was like, oh, Seahawks this week. It's about the time he pops off and he doesn't because they can't even, he can't even look his way, guys. It's like watching football and you're watching your receiver or your tight end run the route. And before he's even made it halfway through his route, Jones is either sacked, he's already throwing the football, or he's like running because he has no time. It's it's horrific. It's just horrific. So uh, that's it, guys. That's the slate of games. Um, four weeks in, a lot to talk about. I think Shisho, you and me are three and one. Show, but you're four and oh. Are you number one in the league or is Anil number one? Anil. Anil's number one. one. Yep. I won this week and then dropped a spot. So I was number four last week. I was, I was talking about, hey, three of the four guys on the podcast. And then now I'm number five after winning a game. So I don't get that, but whatever. Um, it'll be fun to see, obviously, heading forward what transactions can happen. My biggest thing with our league personally is it stays so stagnant in terms of no trades being made. I just feel like trades do not happen in our league. And I think that's like, that's the biggest thing is people don't want the ability to improve their team. If it means that they're improving another team that they're competing with. And I don't know, like I, on, in one world, I get it. But in another world, like these teams that are zero and four now, Jameer Gibbs and son or whatever Brubble's team is, I can't give him flat. Cause he was bad last year, came back and won the whole thing, but he needs to make trades because his roster is not like Ben, I'm sorry, Ben, you're listening to the podcast. I love you, but your roster just is not competitive on a week-to-week basis. It's just not. Like, your your best outcome for your team is possibly 100 points. Like, that is best-case scenario. So I think four weeks in, if you're not doing, like, package deals where you're packaging three serviceable players to get, like, one good guy right now because you need a staple, you have no hope. It's not a dynasty league. You're not vying for a better draft pick next year. That doesn't matter. So you have to make moves if you continue to lose. That's all I have to say. Do you guys have any final words before we wrap this up? Trade no, I'm Jonathan glad you Taylor. said it. Trade you Jonathan Taylor. Oh, you're talking to Ben. Talking about Oh, he does get JT back. For his sake, I hope JT plays, man, because there you he, go. he needs that help big time. Um, what were you saying? I'm, you're, you're glad I said what? 
Oh no, I said I'm glad you said things nicely because I think everybody in the league is a little little uh, on the edge for whatever reason. I I just read caught up on everything and I'm like, damn, these guys are afraid. Is that what I, it is? I, but, I don't even want to talk more about that, man, because you know I made my point. Other people have made their point. We're just gonna move on and you know yeah, everybody makes their decisions. Yeah. That's what the owner of your fantasy team is, right? So just make yeah. better decisions, maybe. Uh, we are the only playbook. I'm Sweetheart. That is to show. That is show of it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Win your fantasy weeks. Listen to us because we'll tell you who to start and who not to start. I promise you. Even guys in our league, I don't give a shit if you're playing against me. I will tell you who to start and who to bench because I want the best competition possible. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a great week.